details of my life are quite inconsequential. Read my lips. If you have sex, your penis will fall off and land in another dimension populated entirely by dogs who will eat it. Well, that's something I'd like to avoid. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I'm a paladin with 18 charisma and 97 hit points. I can use my helm of disintegration and do 1d4 damage as my half-elf mage wields his plus five holy avenger. And as president, I'm going to make it impossible for congressmen or lobbyists to slip pork barrel projects or corporate welfare into laws when no one's looking. Because when I'm president, meetings where laws are written will be more open to the public, no more secrecy. That's a commitment I make to you as president. The Michael Graff Show. It is my opinion he is a danger to himself and others and is in need of treatment. Warning. The following broadcast is presented without the use of talking points, blatant hypocrisy, or Kool-Aid. You know it's bad when this guy has to become the voice of reason. It's the return of the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. kind of thinking that I might just start doing the podcast at this hour of the day. I got to tell you, this is kind of fun. All right, welcome in. Technically, it is Wednesday, October 6th, 2010. I say technically because, I mean, I've been up since yesterday, but it is about two o'clock in the morning now. So yeah, Wednesday, uh, the 6th of October, 2010. Thank you so much for checking us out. Contact information for our program. Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. That's also our PayPal address for your most generous contributions to this program. Help keep us on the air. Yes, we stump for it. We're we're sort of like uh, Jerry Lewis, except we keep the racial epithets and bigotry to a minimum here. But, eh, you know, nobody's perfect. Anyway, uh, stumping for those donations. Once again, the PayPal address, Mike at KMGX.com. AOL Instant Messenger, our screen name always up and available to you. It's Michael Groff Show. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show on AOL Instant Messenger. And, of course, more information about this show can be obtained at the one, the only, MichaelGroff.com. And uh, I already got a message. I already got a question saying, hey, Mike, when's that hot chick web designer girlfriend that you have going to finish your website? Listen, art takes time, okay? Yeah, we got a lot going on. There's there's a lot on our, our collective plates right now. <laughs> All right. I really do enjoy this. I actually enjoy hosting the podcast in the middle of the night. I think this is actually the best time to do it. It's quiet. You know, you can think. Uh, I don't have the sun pouring in here. I try my best to keep the sun blocked out of this room at all costs, but I'm just saying that this is really about the best environment to be able to do a show like this.
I'm sort of thinking that that's the way it is. All right. Man, what a weird day we had today here in Phoenix. We had uh, anywhere from tennis ball to golf ball size hail and, and bigger uh, baseball size hail in some areas. Uh, funnel clouds were reported east of the Phoenix metro area today. We had all sorts of uh, severe weather, wind damage, power lines down. And now uh, there's some more lightning, as I can just see. It's sort of rolling on by outside right now. Actually, I have the window open in here. It's beautiful. It's like 64 degrees outside. But I know somewhere right now, Al Gore or one of his minions are writing up yet another global warming speech. Did you see this over the weekend? Al Gore made an appearance someplace. This is, this is awesome. He had another... Uh, I don't know what the exact purpose of this was. I don't know if he was just trying to get out there and stump for the Democrats who are... Boy, uh, I would say it's kind of like the Titanic. I mean, look, the Democrat ship uh, in terms of their tenure in the House and Senate, well, I would say the water's up to about the crow's nest right now. But Al Gore was out there desperately stumping for them. And of course, he had to make a global warming speech because that's just his cause now. And so Al Gore is out there and he's talking about it. And uh, people in the crowd just start jeering him. These are the people that these are his supposed fans. This is his base that's out there. And people start yelling, global warming is a, is a hoax. You're a fraud. And a whole bunch of people in the audience do this. I'd play you the audio, but uh, it's kind of bad. So I, I'm not really going to bother with that. But um, needless to say, Al Gore getting jeered is awesome. It is, well, it's comedy gold at its finest. And he's, he's sitting there trying to go on about, well, giving his anecdotal examples, giving his examples of individual days of weather to justify that the entire climate of planet Earth is changing because it was extremely hot in the middle of summer someplace uh, that therefore justifies that the entire climate of the globe is undergoing change. And even if it is, Al Gore, uh, last I checked, he doesn't have a degree in meteorology and atmospheric science. Um, last I checked, human beings have been on planet Earth 65,000 years. We have certainly quite a bit of evidence to suggest that the globe undergoes cyclical climate changes constantly that it evolves, that the very nature of climate on planet Earth is that it does roller coaster. It does go up and down. Temperatures go up and down. Uh, patterns change. What is dry in one area, what, what is drought becomes wet. What is wet becomes drought. What is excessive amounts of snow becomes less snow. And so on. Al Gore's up there trying to give his uh, anecdotal evidence on people are uh, just yelling at him. That's great. I love it. All right, we have, uh, well, today I got to give you one of the most screwed up stories I think I've done on this show in a long time. And people that say that I don't take shots at all parties and all ideas and all philosophies will stand by because you hardcore libertarians, you're going to want to pay attention to this coming up later in the program. For a long time on this show, now those of you that know me and those of you that are longtime listeners or even relatively new listeners to this show, I am a registered libertarian. Reg that's, what's, that's what it says on my voter registration card. However, I generally distance myself from especially the Arizona congregation of libertarians because the people in this state that are in the libertarian party are nuts. 
They are what I like to call the orthodox libertarian. They are the hardcore libertarian, the extremist libertarian that believe that we should abolish all taxes, all personal income tax, state, federal, any sort of tax whatsoever, and that we should just be on the honor system. So I have a message specifically targeted at you hardcore libertarians coming up in just a little while. So uh, stand by for that. We'll, uh, we'll get around to that in a little bit. Uh, it's, a, it's a story that shows exactly why uh, the basics of the hardcore libertarian philosophy just couldn't ever work. Meantime, I'm reading about uh, these Gallup polls that keep coming out, all this different polling information. You know, we're 27 days away. Oh, mercifully so. We're 27 days away from the midterm elections, which means about a month after those happen, we'll start talking about the 2012 presidential race. Oh, God. God, is there anything worse than just breaking down elections day after day? You notice that we haven't really done that on the podcast at all? Back in 2008, I got so tired of talking about the presidential election for seven or eight months leading up to it that by the time it was over, I didn't even care what happened anymore. I mean, Obama's driving this country right into the ground. The Obama administration, the Democrats, they're driving the country right into the ground, just like the Republicans did. And I'm just sort of sitting here and I'm like, I'm just so sick of talking about election stuff. So this cycle, I really haven't been talking about it. But now I'm, I'm going to sort of look at it because the change that's coming... And you want to talk about real change. The change that's coming is quite evident. Uh, we are going to be looking at a massive bit of house cleaning that's coming to Washington. If these polls are to be believed, we're looking at a massive house cleaning to come to Washington here in 27 days. The Republicans are going to take the House by storm, and it looks like they're going to, I wouldn't say take the Senate, but they're going to make that uh, Democratic majority much, much slimmer. If these, again, assuming these polls are to be believed. I mean, you look at these, uh, like in, in Nevada, for example, you have the Tea Party-backed candidate Sharon Angle now with a three-point lead over Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. This is mind-bending when you think about the fact that Harry Reid at one point was thought to be kind of an invincible guy. He was thought to be sort of an invincible candidate and that nobody would come along, and certainly not Sharon Angle. I mean, she was a state assemblywoman. She was a person who was largely an unknown, and now she's on that Tea Party Express. You have Sarah Palin that came out and stumped for her. You had other people, uh, uh, John McCain's behind this woman, uh, though that doesn't necessarily mean anything. John McCain, just whatever way the wind blows is where he's going. Um, so, but she just sort of came out of nowhere and is now taking Harry Reid, uh, making him come down from his ivory tower and having to vigorously defend his seat there. And I don't think he's going to be able to do it. I think that Harry Reid is going to lose there in Nevada. And I see Washington, Illinois, um, geez, I'm looking at states that I don't think wherever, Colorado, even California, Senate races all over the place that look like they're going to be very, very close, if not swinging the way of the Republicans. So uh, there's no question that uh, the GOP and, and yes, to some degree, even the Tea Party are making a big dent in all of this. They really are. And uh, as you know, I'm all for it. I'm all for the throw the bums out mentality. I've been screaming that for, 
Well, I would say I've been screaming that for several years on this show. Uh, even before the Republicans were ousted, I was like, wait, it's time to just do some house cleaning. And then the Democrats came in and then the spending just kept going. And I said, yeah, more house cleaning is needed. And then when the Tea Party came along and their message originally was stop spending, stop spending, stop spending, I was right there with them as well. And I'm still saying a lot of house cleaning has to be done. And this might just be the time when Americans are going to do it. They're going to step up. They're going to go to the polls and they're going to throw some of these guys out. And that's what I've been screaming for forever. And uh, I, I see it might just happen. I mean, if these polls, again, are to be believed. And I don't know. It, it seems more... It's it's um, Gallup, uh, CNN USA Today, uh, CBS News polls I'm looking at right now. I'm also looking at a Rasmussen poll. Uh, Fox News conducted some polls. Uh, again, just looking at all the different races. Um it is definitely heating up. It is definitely getting interesting. We will keep you updated on it, trying not to overwhelm you with too much information about this like we did in 2008. It was just nonstop coverage, but keep you up to date nonetheless. And just before I came on the air, I was reading a story about this Times Square bomber, Faisal Shazad. Yeah, this is the guy that... Well, frankly, we got lucky. Department of Homeland Security, Janet Napolitano, the United States government, the Obama administration, everybody was patting themselves on the back for a job well done. But the truth of the matter is, this is a guy that didn't know how to detonate a bomb. He was unfamiliar with the concept of an accelerant in the detonation of an explosive device. And therefore, the, his bomb didn't go off. And he didn't wind up blowing up uh, hundreds of people in Times Square at a time that he calculated to be a very good time to detonate a bomb where everybody was getting out of the Broadway shows. There was maximum traffic in the late evening hours uh, in Times Square in New York. You know how that works. So everybody lucked out, but I'm just reading about this guy. So today, a judge sentenced him to life in prison. Now, of course, I wish the judge would have just taken out a 357 and uh, finished the guy off right there, or at the very least taken a sock full of nickels and just beat him about the head with it or something, but life in prison will have to do. What I find really great, though, is then we allowed Faisal Shazad to make a statement. It's always great. This is the best part about the United States. See, in any other country, yeah, they would have just killed the guy. There wouldn't have even probably been a trial, or if there was, it would have been over with very quickly. The sentencing would have been handed down quickly, and the sentencing would have been death, and there wouldn't have been a statement. You wouldn't have even heard what the guy had to say. But here in the United States, no, a guy tries to blow us up, and then we allow him the opportunity to make a statement. It's kind of like your parents. You, you get grounded, and then they say, well, what do you think about this grounding? What do you think about your punishment? What do you have to say for yourself? So we ostensibly ask him, well, what do you think of this? And he responded with a long-winded statement, but one of the things he said was, if I had a thousand lives to sacrifice, I would give each and every one of them for the life of Allah. Great. Well, that tells you exactly why he is being locked away for life. No possibility of him ever getting out. He'll be behind bars until he croaks or until he gets shanked in jail, whichever occurs first. Regardless, though, it's still kind of creepy, especially when you go through some of his other statements where he talks about how there'll be more attacks and uh, you review kind of what went on. You know, this guy used the webcams that are all over the place in New York. You know, everywhere now, there's 
cameras accessible via the web. And so this guy used webcams to figure out the highest trafficked area in and around Times Square so he could get the most effective bomb. So he could park, park his you know, vehicle someplace close by and then he could detonate it in an area that was most likely to be highest trafficked, as I mentioned before. So he used webcams to go about doing that. That's great. What a, I mean, what a smart guy. Very, very ingenuitive. Why not using our own technology against us? That's a good idea. I, I'm really glad that we have all those cams absolutely everywhere because God knows all I want to do uh, when I'm sitting up here at three o'clock in the morning is just, I want to look in and just see what's going on in Manhattan right now via webcam. That's always fun. Just thinking maybe it's time that we considered revamping our policy on those uh, webcams, maybe pulling a few of those down. I'm just sort of suggesting that could be an idea. And uh, another good idea would be, why are we keeping this Faisal Shahzad alive? Why is he still sitting on the taxpayer dole? I know some of you out there, you anti-death penalty types, you people that are, that are against it. I, I, I have to ask, in this particular case, you have a guy that attempted to blow up Times Square. Is there any reason whatsoever to keep this guy alive? Is there any purpose for this person to be in society whatsoever? Is there? Is there anything you can tell me to justify his existence? Like, why shouldn't the judge have pulled out a 45 and just done this guy in right there? All right, Mr. Shazad, here's your, here's your penalty. The judge actually scolded him. The judge actually reprimanded him. Like, this guy doesn't care. Don't you understand? This guy has no remorse. He, he was willing to blow himself up or he was willing to at least detonate this bomb and kill hundreds of people, potentially. So what makes you think that you can reason with the unreasonable? This is the kind of animal barbaric mentality that we're fighting against in this radical Islamic fundamentalism. You think that you're actually going to be able to break through? You're going to be able to make an impact on these people? I mean, come on. All right, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Also, that's our PayPal address. Always accepting your donations. If you listen to this show and you don't donate, then you're kind of stealing it. Think about that. All right. MichaelGroff.com for everything else Michael Groff related. There is more coming up. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show on a Wednesday. Coming on back. Yeah, time for a little white trash music. All right, yeah, let's let's get into let's do it. Three o'clock in the morning. What the hell? Yeah. With nobody else. yeah. I drink alone with nobody else. Yeah, with nobody else. 
You know, when I drink alone, yeah, you know when I, I prefer to be by myself. I prefer to be by myself. Now every morning just before breakfast, I don't want no coffee or tea. Just me and my good buddy Wiser. That's all I ever need, cause I drink alone. Well, she. Yeah, with nobody else. I suppose this is the perfect time, speaking of white trash, to give you a story of complete and utter incompetence. It is the most effed up story you've ever heard. Yeah. So I called up my pal Jack Daniels and his partner Jimmy Bean and we drank alone. Oh my God. Yeah, with nobody else. All right. I have to get into this. By the way, welcome back. Yes, the zip code famous Michael Graff show. Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email and PayPal address. For their donations, uh, Michael Graff show, AOL Instant Messenger, and MichaelGraff.com for everything else. That could ever be Michael Graff related. And I swear we'll play more white trash George Thorogood bumpers. You know, if you, uh, if you don't start donating. All right. Every song sounds like bad to the bone. They even rhyme bad to the bone. I drink alone. I'm in the zone. Yeah. But I stayed home instead. Uh-huh. Just me and my pal Johnny Walker. Yeah. And his brothers black and red. And we drank alone. Bad to the bone. Yeah, with nobody else. I like to clone. Yeah, you know when I drink alone. I prefer to be by myself. The following story, for those of you that claim that I'm not fair and that I only pick on one party or another, and believe me when I tell you, I've gotten, over the 10 plus years that I've been doing this show, I've gotten emails from all sides. I've been called a flaming liberal. I've been called a blowhard conservative. I've been called a complete contrarian. I've been called a a crazy libertarian. I've been called everything, all right? Now, uh, for technical purposes, you know, uh, those of you that listen know that I, I like to think of myself as coming from the common sense party. I like to think of myself, even though on my voter registration card, I'm a registered libertarian, I, I picked something. I, I suppose I should have just been an independent, but I, I decided I'd pick something. And I do align myself in many ways with the libertarians, except for the fact that some of them are so insane. And the following story is directed at those of you that are the hardcore libertarians, the people that believe that we should abolish all personal income tax, all federal and state and local taxes, and that we should just go on sort of the honor system, whereby we all write a check to the local government and pay for the services that we want to pay for. If we want to have a military to go fight a war someplace, we pay it out of our own pocket. If we want to have a, a, a company come in and build roads someplace, we pay out of our own pocket. If we want to have a fire department, we pay out of our own pocket. And that's exactly why I'm bringing you this story. This is from Obion County, Tennessee, where... 
somebody's home catches on fire and the local fire department won't respond. And then they come out and they watch it burn to the ground. This is not this is not a made-up story. This is not something from The Onion. This is a true story. This is exactly what happened to a uh, family in Obion County, Tennessee. A local neighborhood is furious after firefighters watched as an Obion County, Tennessee home burned to the ground. The homeowner, Gene Cranick, uh, said that he offered to pay whatever it would take for firefighters to put out the flames, but was told that it was too late and that they wouldn't do anything to stop the house from burning. See, what happens is Obion County residents have to pay $75 a year if they want protection from the city of South Fulton. But of course, in this case, the Cranics, the people whose house uh, burned down, they didn't pay the $75 because they just sort of assumed that, you know, we live in the United States and that a basic like life saving would come without pay. So this is the problem with the libertarian philosophy is, you know, I know right now the hardcore libertarians in the audience are sitting there going, hell yeah, they didn't pay. The house should burn down. You don't need taxes for a firefighter for, you know, if you, if you don't want your house to burn down, then you better pay. That's the utopian philosophy. That's the libertarian philosophy. Yeah. That doesn't quite work that way, guys. The mayor of South Fulton said that um, if homeowners don't pay... They're out of luck. The fire went on for hours because garden hoses just wouldn't put it out. It wasn't until that fire spread to a neighbor's property that anyone would respond. Turns out the neighbor had paid the fee. See what I'm talking about? Quote, I thought they'd come out and put the fire out, even if you hadn't paid your $75, but I was wrong, said Gene Cranick. Because of that, not much is left of the Cranick's house. They called 911 several times, and initially the South Fulton Fire Department would not come. The Cranick's told 911 that they would pay firefighters uh, whatever the cost to stop the fire before it spread to the house. I mean, can you imagine this call? 911, what's your emergency? Oh, yeah, my house is on fire. Okay, and uh, what's your name, sir? My name is Gene Cranick. All right, uh, hang on one second, sir. Uh, Mr. Cranick, I show that uh, you haven't paid your $75. Oh, my God, it's on fire. Yeah, I know. I know your house is on fire, sir. But I, I, I see here uh, in our records, our 911 records, that we're supposed to just be here for emergency services. But I see in our records that you haven't paid. Now, now, would you like to pay with uh, credit or debit today, sir? Can you imagine that? Your house is on fire. You got someone, the 911 operator on the other end is like, uh, hang on a second. Let's see here. Oh, you're a deadbeat. I see you haven't paid your $75. Well, uh, see you in hell. Hope your wife and kids get out of there, okay? And uh, next time, you know, you should think about this next time uh, when uh, the $75 comes due for the firefighters. Is that just the most effed up story you've heard all day? I mean, come on. That is, that's one of the weirdest stories we've ever done on this show. It's one of those things where I guess uh, the firefighters, the the fire department doesn't cover the outlying areas of this of this air of this town, the county areas, the rural areas. So if you want to be covered by the by the big city fire department, you done got to pay the seventy five bucks. So then uh, the journalists from uh, one of the local stations there, they tried to get a little bit more information. They tried to ask the firefighters why they didn't put out the fire. And the firefighters didn't talk to the media. In fact, when the media asked why again, 
when they asked, hey, hey, well, listen, just can you talk to us for a second? Why didn't you put out the fire? Why didn't you put out the, the fire that was burning on these people's homes? You could have saved their home. Then the firefighters got annoyed and called the sheriff's office on the media. I mean, this is literally, this is happening in the United States. And I know what you're going to say. Well, Mike, it's Tennessee. That's barely the United States. But still, last I checked, that's one of the 50 states. Remind me never to live in Tennessee. Holy crap. All right. Well, anyway, that's the most effed up story, not only of the day. That's the most effed up story of the week, the month. Really, that's probably the year. And I got to tell you, in 10 years of doing this show, that's one of the dumbest, that's one of the craziest stories I've heard. And uh, it's exactly why living in rural areas uh, isn't a good idea. And it's exactly why the true, hardcore, libertarian philosophy will never work. A basic service, a basic service like saving people's lives and protecting property is not necessarily something that people should have to pay for. I mean, yeah, you're going to say, well, we pay for it with taxes. Okay, but the volunteer system. Well, I didn't pay my $75, so you're just going to let my house burn. You're going to arbitrarily decide whose house burns and whose doesn't. Well, since the neighbor's house, though, since his house, uh, since he paid, uh, we'll come out for him. I mean, he paid the $75. He even gave us a tip. Is that what's going to happen next? If you don't tip the firefighters afterwards, the next time they come out, they won't come out as quickly. They won't respond as rapidly. If you have a heart attack or something, they'll drive the ambulance like uh, under the speed limit to get out to you. This is the problem when you pay people for a service that is a, well, again, let's face it. It's a life-saving service. This isn't something that is optional here. And this is what separates me, the sort of moderate libertarian, the sort of conservative libertarian guy. This is what separates me uh, from the hardcores, definitely. All right, now, in fairness, since I just took a swipe at the hardcore libertarians, now I'm going to throw the libertarians a bone, or in this case, maybe a bowl, more accurately. And we're going to talk about something that libertarians can certainly relate to, and that is the legalization of drugs, ladies and gentlemen. Now, you know, I'm not one of those libertarians that comes on the air and regularly champions the cause of legalizing marijuana. I just don't do it. I'm, I'm for it. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for legalizing marijuana. There's, there's just no reason not to. Uh, it makes the most sense uh, why we bother to arrest people, prosecute people, and even go as far as to put people in jail because they possess or smoke marijuana. It just seems silly. It's a waste of taxpayer dollars. It's a waste of our jail system. It's a waste of our judicial system. And uh, quite frankly, we could be collecting a lot of tax money on it. Um, so there's, there's really no reason, and there's no fundamental difference either between having a drink after work and smoking a joint or smoking a bowl. There really isn't a difference. Uh, as somebody that's tried marijuana before I, I, and, and you know, uh, sees that there are legitimate medical benefits to it as well, uh, I really don't see the harm in legalizing marijuana. I just, I don't. I don't. I don't see the the real big deal about it. But it's not something that I get on the air and champion. I don't make my entire show about it. I'm not one of those libertarians that makes it my one and only issue. However, there is a proposition on the ballot in California, Prop 19. And likely voters were polled by Reuters as to whether or not they would vote 
for the legalization of marijuana, not just medical marijuana, which California already has, but the complete legalization of marijuana statewide. And likely voters said, no. This surprised me. I thought for sure California would pass the legalization of marijuana. I mean, I thought for sure it's a liberal state. I figured even the conservative people would go for it there. California is so uh, cash-strapped right now. I figured there's just no way that they would say no to this. But right now, a poll of likely voters shows that by a margin of 53 to 43%, Californians are opposed to legalizing marijuana. I'd love to know what their rationale is behind this. Now, naturally, the information sort of goes down party lines, as you would expect. Democrats are in favor of legalization by a margin of 54 to 45%. That's it? Only a nine-point differential between support and against, even on the Democratic side? That's, that's kind of amazing. Maybe it's a bad sample. I don't know. Republicans are against it more than two to one at a 66 to 30 margin. Independents are split nearly evenly. Skepticism about legalization, um, of course, exists. And, of course, even if it were to be legalized by the state, there's always the other issue. The big issue is federal law supersedes state law. Just like the medical marijuana that you get in California, you know, you can still be busted by the feds for it. Yeah, the Obama administration is not prosecuting people. The Obama administration has told California to leave people alone. Who cares if they're smoking medical marijuana? Who cares? Fine, but the point is, is that the the feds can still bust you, even if the state makes it legal. Like, even if if the state of Arizona legalized bank robbery tomorrow, it's still a federal crime. Or if they legalized counterfeiting money, it would still be a federal crime. You'd still go to federal prison for it. You just wouldn't be facing charges from the state. And that goes the same here as well. And just so you know, local law enforcement can enforce federal laws. So technically, while you're not doing anything wrong by the state of California by smoking marijuana, you could still be pulled over by an L.A. cop or a San Francisco cop and thrown in jail for smoking weed, even if it were legal in the states. The only way uh, to change it is you have to change the federal law. It's the only way to do it. Proposition 19 uh, would allow recreational use of marijuana by adults and regulation of sales and cultivation by local governments, creating a potential hothouse of regulatory experimentation. Marijuana use already is practically legal in California. For those unable to obtain a medical referral, the criminal penalty for possession of less than an ounce, or 28 grams for our metric listeners, uh, was reduced last month from a misdemeanor to an offense, essentially leaving the offender without cr- a criminal record. The top penalty remains a $100 fine. So if you're, pulled, if you're busted for pot in California, it's a $100 fine. Long as you have less than an ounce. Once you start getting more than an ounce, though, then you get into, all right, we're going to throw you in jail. That's it. You're done forever. We'll lock you in jail. We'll throw away the key. Uh, you'll, be just like, uh, you'll be just like Faisal Shazad. You're a terrorist if you smoke too much weed. Unbelievable. Of course, Governor Schwarzenegger rang in on this uh, issue as well. He says, quote, 
In this time of drastic budget cuts, prosecutors, defense attorneys, law enforcement, and courts cannot afford to expand limited resources prosecuting a crime that carries the same punishment as a traffic ticket. Uh, Now, uh, despite his uh, declared opposition to decriminalizing recreational marijuana use, Arnold Schwarzenegger still, he'll still sign the bill if it comes to his desk. So that's good news. At least he'll go with what, whatever the will of the people of the state of California might be, even though that will technically does violate federal law. This is a weird thing for me because I'm a law-abiding citizen. I believe in the rule of law. I believe that even if you disagree with the law, you should still follow it. And I realize I'm being a hypocrite because I've admitted on the air that uh, I've broken the law and that I've smoked marijuana. Well, get this. I've also drank while I was underage. But I'm also willing to tell you that if I were to get caught, I would accept the punishment. Oh, yeah, I would think it's total crap. But at the same time, that's the law. You have to follow the law. We are a nation of laws. And I say if you want to affect change, if you really want to talk about because all we've heard about for two years now is change. Yeah, real change comes from the top down. You have to make the change from the federal level on down. And until we put people in office that understand that recreational use of marijuana is no different than recreational use of alcohol, or um, and certainly it's, it's far less dangerous than alcohol, and it's far less destructive to you than cigarettes, and we let people shove those damn death sticks, those lung javelins into their pie holes every single day, drives me the hell nuts when I see people killing themselves slowly with cigarettes, and yet we're going to make weed illegal. And give me a physical break. You see some guy, you see some alcoholic, some bum on the street who's uh, just sitting there drinking his life away, destroying his liver. And yet marijuana, which has legitimate medical uses, particularly THC, the active ingredient, has legitimate medical applications. And we're going to sit here and, uh, and again, let's face it. I mean, I know it's not just about medical issues. I mean, I know you get stoned smoking weed. I understand that. I understand that it's, I'm not trying to make it this altruistic drug. I'm not saying that it's the panacea, you know, I'm saying that it's no different. It's no worse than alcohol. I think it's, it's healthier than alcohol. Honestly, if you're listening right now and you're of the impressionable age, okay, if, if I would suggest Don't drink alcohol, don't smoke cigarettes, don't smoke weed, okay? It's not something that you should do, uh, generally speaking. But at the same time, I don't know. I don't really see that much of a problem with an adult making a conscious decision to just come home after a a day of work and sit down, watch the ball game and and, uh, smoke a bowl or have a drink. It doesn't just doesn't seem to be that much of a difference and it doesn't seem to be that much of a big deal and it doesn't seem that we need to be allocating precious resources on something like that. All right, and then, um, well, we got to take a break. We're moving through the show very quickly. All right, when we come back, I got to talk about uh, The Daily Show. I got to talk about Jon Stewart. Yeah, I know, this is the second show in a row where we're bringing up Jon Stewart. This time, it's not because somebody made fun of him. It's because I'm... I'm legitimately curious what the big deal about Jon Stewart is. I'm trying to understand what the appeal there is. Uh, I'm trying to get why uh, this guy is so popular and never gets anything 
negative written about him. And I'm not even saying, as I've said before, I have nothing against Jon Stewart. I'm not saying that I, I don't like him. His show isn't for me. I'm not really into The Daily Show. It's not something that appeals to me necessarily. But man, you listen to some people in the media and like Jon Stewart is the is the greatest guy ever. I'm going to read you something. This is a piece that I found. This just shows you there are people out there that just worship this guy. And I guess Jon Stewart is having a rally. You know, Glenn Beck had a rally and then uh, some, some Democrats got together. They had a rally uh, last weekend, which was kind of a flop. I mean, not a total flop. It was just... You know, it wasn't nearly as uh, boisterous. It wasn't nearly as uh, a resounding success as they claimed it was. But it was still a big rally. So now John Stewart is having a rally. As he calls it, a rally to restore sanity. So we'll talk about that coming up. Hey, I'm in favor of that. Let's restore the sanity. Let's restore the order. Let's restore the common sense. I can go for that. I just don't know if Jon Stewart's necessarily the guy to deliver that. The guy that gives the one-liners on the Comedy Central. But we'll talk about it. I'll also read you this uh, little piece that's out about him. And uh, I don't know. Somebody will have to explain the Jon Stewart thing to me. People say, he's funny. I, okay, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. All right, it's uh, the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Mike at KMGX.com, our email and PayPal address, everything else, MichaelGroff.com. That is how you can get in contact with this program. Your donations always appreciated. Also, we've got more stuff. The Michael Groff Show Stupid News File and um, anything that's on your mind, too. We'll certainly get to that. And some praise mail. We got to get to that as well. Some praise messages and, and things like that. All right, that's all coming up. It's the Michael Grav Show coming on back for a third and final segment. And then I'm I'm out of here, man. I'm headed to Vegas. Two tickets to paradise. Well, actually, just one ticket to paradise. And paradise it is. Yeah. I've got Final segment, it's the Zip Code Famous Michael Grob Show on a Wednesday, October 6, 2010. If you only knew how many times I all the words that went wrong. Alright, Mike at KMGX.com, that's our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. That's also our PayPal address. You can donate, contribute monetarily to this program. Keep us on the air. 
you know, there's uh, there's bills I got to pay and potentially, you know, well, as I calculated about uh, maybe about $600,000 worth of bills I have to be paying for, well, 18 years. All right. MichaelGroff.com for everything else Michael Groff related. It's getaway day. So I'm just, I'm curious about something, and I've asked this question on the air over the years. It's something that I still don't really fully comprehend. I understand that John Stewart is a talented guy. I... I do know that. I know he's a stand-up comedian. I know he gets accolades from everywhere. And everybody gives the guy accolades, whether it's in the radio biz, the TV biz, the media, print media. It doesn't matter what medium you're in. Everybody likes Jon Stewart. So maybe it's the contrarian in me that just says, I don't really like the guy. I have nothing against him. I don't hate him personally. It's just that I've watched The Daily Show before, and it's just sort of like, eh. It's kind of like, it's very forced. It seems very contrived. It just seems kind of like... I mean, the audience that's there is all whipped up into a frenzy and, and people, I, my, many of my friends really enjoy The Daily Show. They think it's uh, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, but me, on the other hand, I, um, I'm kind of just sort of eh on the whole thing. And maybe it's, maybe I'm sort of a, the tweener uh, demographic. You know, I'm, I'm a little too old for that demo. I'm a little too young for like the old guy demo, but I'm a little too old for the young hip guy demo. I, I'm, I'm definitely a tweener. I see it that way. That said, I found this, and this is this is crazy. So, I guess uh, John Stewart is having a rally to restore sanity in Washington. This is on the heels of the Glenn Beck rally, and then the Democrats had their rally on October second. Uh, Ed Schultz was a big pioneer in that, and a bunch of other people on the left. They were they were out there, and so now. John Stewart wants to have a rally to restore sanity. He wants uh, people to stop the screaming, the yelling. He just wants uh, people not to have to yell to have their voices heard. But, you know, it's a guy that does a comedy show. I mean, really, what kind of sanity can you have? And what kind of rally do you really think that John Stewart can put together? Well, this guy that I'm reading here, <clears throat> and I, I forget the guy's name now. I think it's Steve Korn or something. I, I don't remember the guy's name now. Uh, but this is a... Um, this is one of those things. This is just more press. And, and I've read tons of different articles just like this. But just listen to how this guy, I mean, almost, he almost digitally spooges all over uh, <laughs> John Stewart here. Listen, anyone who doesn't live in a house with a rotary phone and no cable knows that the host of The Daily Show is organizing a rally to restore sanity. Now, by the way, I didn't even know this until I, um, until I was doing show prep about five, six hours ago. I didn't know that Jon Stewart was having a rally to restore sanity. And then I looked into it further, and sure enough, he is. In Washington, D.C. on October 30th. So I guess I'm one of those guys that lives in a house with a rotary phone and no cable TV. You know, interestingly enough, I have cable TV and I have a cell phone. I just never watch TV. And uh, the phone I have, I just use to make phone calls. Yeah, imagine that. My phone doesn't email I probably actually could. I mean, it's 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 a Samsung Renown. It's not like it's a it's a phone from 1985. It's just well, anyway. The point is, I didn't know this until like five hours ago. 
Anyway, <clears throat> Stewart's battle cry is simple. Quote, we're looking for the people who think shouting is annoying, counterproductive, and terrible for your throat, who feel that the loudest voices shouldn't be the only ones that get heard. Though he doesn't call it such, his demonstration is a response to angry tea party gatherings of the past year or so and Glenn Beck's whatever it was in Washington on August 28th. And as part of the joke, I mean strategic plan, Stephen Colbert will be holding a keep fear alive countermarch on the same day. You know, as much as I don't get Jon Stewart, I get Stephen Colbert even less. I, the guy I think tried to run for president or something. I, I, the guy, the guy kind of makes a mockery of everything uh, to the point where I almost feel kind of bad for him because he's one of those. He's the guy that shows up at the party that tries too hard to get attention. He's the guy that, that puts in just a little too effort to let you know how how cool he is by being not cool. He's so cool because he's not cool that he ends up being not cool. That's exactly what Stephen Colbert really is. That's what he seems like to me. Anyway, continuing. Without one foot yet hitting the National Mall, Stewart's plan is a whopping success. As of Sunday night, over 186,000 people had signed up to attend the rally's Facebook site. Another 100,000 said, maybe. Perhaps they're waiting to see if the, who the guests are going to be. The Facebook page is full of notes from enthusiastic Stewartites readying for their trip to D.C., Washington hotels report bookings for that weekend are way up. And Oprah has endorsed the rally, tweeting to her followers, quote, I think Jon Stewart's on to something. Would you consider going? To which the rally's Twitter feed responded, at Oprah, we are trying to remain reasonable, rational, and, and clam. I guess that's supposed to be calm. Uh, but it is very tough when you mention our rally. Uh, and uh, Stewart, who had arranged to do a week of shows from D.C. at the end of October before um, announcing the rally, is guaranteeing a ratings whopper before the event kicks off. Yeah, because as we all know, I, I generally base my success on uh, how many people are on my Facebook page and how many people say they're going to do things on my Facebook page. He says he's got 286,000 people. He has 186,000 that are going to show up and another 100,000 maybe. If he outdraws Glenn Beck or even the Democrats, if he outdraws either of those two, I'll, I'll give up sex for a whole day. I will. I'll give up sex for 24 hours. If that guy is able to outdraw, I mean, that's a major sacrifice. Here's the part where the guy, where this, where this writer literally is, is digitally, he, he's, he's dumping a digital batch all over Jon Stewart. Listen to this quote from the article. Stewart is a comic genius and one of the most sharp-eyed political satirists and news media critics in decades. Ditto, ditto, and ditto for Colbert, he also writes. If Stewart can draw 200,000-plus people to D.C. with or without Colbert, this will be the most significant cultural moment. Quote, think of our event as Woodstock, but with the nudity and drugs replaced by respectful disagreement the March's call says. It will further twist, blur, or emulsify the lines that supposedly distinguish real media from faux media and real politics from show politics. Yeah, I don't know. So there you go. There you have a little bit of an example of just more love being showered on Jon Stewart. Um, 
I have to tell you, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I'd love to see this guy try and get 200,000 people to come to Washington, D.C. He might be able to do it. I don't know. I, I know that the ratings for The Daily Show are really huge. I know that a lot of people watch it. Um, I'm not one of them, but I know that it's a huge rated show. Uh, I just can't imagine he gets 200,000 people to show up. It just doesn't seem possible, does it? How can that be? If he can get 200,000 people to show up, then again, I mean, Facebook, I guess, I don't know, maybe. Anyway, the supposition in the article that this guy writes, uh, once, once you get past his fawning over Jon Stewart, he believes that this might actually be helpful to Republicans. And uh, his basis for this theory is... Well, his theory is kind of weird. His theory is that a lot of these people that go out there um, are liberal guys because uh, John Stewart's kind of a liberal guy, even though he sort of has that attitude of skewer them all. But he's, you know, he's clearly the general target audience is a younger audience. I don't get how this helps um, Republicans. I, I don't get it. Uh, all I know is I don't think the John Stewart rally, whether one person or 100,000 people show up, I don't think it makes a difference one way or the other in the upcoming midterm elections. And to think that John Stewart has that much cultural influence over people is ridiculous. Even though I have read the, the, the details, the Scarborough report, I've read all these other things that say that more people get their news from John Stewart than anywhere else. I, I still don't buy it. I, I've never talked to somebody that goes, you know, according to the John Stewart show, uh, the GDP is actually up 5%. Uh, we've had 5% growth in GDP last year. Yeah, it's really only like 1%. Yeah, I know, but, but John Stewart said otherwise. I've never had a conversation with somebody like that. Maybe because I don't run with in the circles of people that take what John Stewart says as gospel. Uh, if they do watch the show, they look at it as just what it is, sort of parody, sort of satire which is what you really should do. Then um, there's a couple other things I want to get to. Oh, speaking of political talk, since we're on the subject, I should uh, play this for you. Uh, so Rush Limbaugh got loose again. A couple of Rush Limbaugh notes. First of all, Rush Limbaugh actually earns a couple of cool points with me. I know this is hard to believe because, you know, I come on the air and I've certainly... Uh, I've certainly roasted uh, Limbaugh over the coals uh, for many different things on the program over the years. But he earns a couple of cool points with me because he was just on an episode of Family Guy. And it was hilarious. It was great. He was on there. He did these lines. He made fun of himself. He made fun of Republicans. He made fun of, he made fun of everybody. He was, he was great on the show. He was great on Family Guy. And I know that there was a lot of people that gave him some grief for it. Uh, I know he caught a lot of crap from other conservatives because he, oh my God, he goes on that dirty, filthy show, family guy. Come on, people, you have to laugh at yourself a little bit. You have to have some fun once in a while. Can't we put politics aside for just a minute and, and just examine something for what it is and that's just something funny, something humorous, something comical? Can't you just do that? But I guess some people just can't. I guess that's just, they're not capable of it. But so Rush Limbaugh was on Family Guy, so he earns a couple of cool points. But he's also getting quite a bit of criticism because he came out on his uh, show the other day. Uh, on, I guess this was on Tuesday, and he called Barack Obama a jackass. In and of itself, I don't think that comment. I think it's fairly innocuous. 
After all, Randy Rhodes had a bit where she assassinated President Bush. Uh, Tom Hartman and uh, Mike Malloy and others called President Bush uh, many pretty despicable things while he was in office. Certainly, they didn't just keep it above board. Certainly, they didn't raise the discourse of political discussion in this country. I don't find the comment to be all that bad. Um, I just think that uh, Rush Limbaugh takes two minutes to call the guy a jackass. Well, he calls him a jackass, sort of goes around in a weird circle. I don't know. There are times I do agree with Rush Limbaugh. It's just that his delivery is so weird. He's such a wordsmith and incapable of just having a normal, reasonable conversation on the radio, talking like normal human beings talk. So he takes hours to explain a concept that takes seconds. For example, and then, of course, he's tapping on the desk. He's tapping on himself. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I have to tell you something. And he's tapping on himself, and then he's rattling paper, and he's tapping on the desk like he always does. Here, here is uh, the clip from his show, and there's even video to go along with this, of Rush Limbaugh calling Barack Obama jackass. Mr. Obama, our imam child. <laughs> he's tapping on They himself. have already taken their trillion-dollar ball home, and they're sitting on it, you jackass. And I'm sorry to have to say this, but we have all of this pile of cash. How many trillions is it that the news has reported that companies large and small Reported. are sitting on? They're not investing it in anything. <clears throat> they're not buying bonds. They're not buying stocks. They're not going into hedge funds. They're sitting on the cash. Trillions of dollars. They already have taken their ball and gone home. Which is why we have 1% GDP growth and 9.6% unemployment. They've already split the scene because they have no confidence. And they're probably right if this guy is this scary, is he, if he is this adamant that they not be confident and that they not have this tax cut extended. Which is not even a tax cut. This is the current rates. Nobody's taxes are getting cut here. We're not cutting the richest tax cuts. The 36 rate's going to stay 36 or 35. It's not going to 33. The only thing that's going to happen is Obama's going to raise taxes. But nobody's taxes are being cut here. Oh, they've already taken the ball and gone home. They're sitting on trillions of dollars of cash. Cash. And if you go back to Feldstein and <laughs> Donaldson of SEC, Mr. Obama... Extend the tax cut to everybody and you'll inspire confidence. Meaning they'll take the trillion dollars in cash they're sitting on and they'll start putting it into play. This is where he's an ignoramus. They're not putting the trillion dollars into play because they're trying to hold on to as much of it as they can before they get have it confiscated, which is what they think is coming, which is not confidence inspiring. Yeah. It's a jackass. <laughs> he's an economic illiterate. He's an economic ignoramus. And that's being charitable. Oh, my goodness. See, that's the thing. It's hard for me to listen to Rush Limbaugh, even though, in a sense, I sort of agree with his point. Um, the problem is when you have a delivery like that, ladies and gentlemen, when you have a delivery where you start going like this and you start bloviating, bloviating about things, they've already taken their ball and they've got home. Here's how you condense that two-minute soundbite. Let me condense it down for you. 
I understand. Rush Limbaugh has a $400 million contract. He's on 500 different stations. I'm Michael Groff. I'm nobody. But let me try. I would have said, man, Obama's a real jackass. The guy doesn't want to extend the tax cuts. As a matter of fact, he wants to raise taxes. He's going to do so in a time where we have 1% GDP. What is he thinking? This is not going to inspire confidence in the market. Consumer confidence is at an all-time low. And uh, the banks, the financial sector, they know that he's not going to instill confidence. So they're keeping their money. What a jackass. The end. There. How long did that take? What was that, 20 seconds? I took your two minutes. I took 120 seconds. I condensed it to 20 seconds. Maybe 25 seconds. And really, I could have even cut it shorter. But I was trying to have at least some material. I mean, you know, you can't take an entire three-hour radio show and condense it to five seconds. Although, with the status of terrestrial radio today, with how many commercials that they play, that's pretty much all you get. A three-hour show, literally every hour on, uh, on terrestrial radio is... What, about 34 minutes now? 36 minutes? Maybe. If you're lucky, that's what you get. So a three-hour show is really like 90 minutes. 95, maybe maybe close to an hour and 40 minutes total. If you're lucky. All right, so that's uh, the latest Rush Limbaugh. I just thought I'd play that clip for you. I just thought that was really funny. Ladies and gentlemen, so jackass. Mr. Obama... Our imam child. Our imam child. Can we stop with that too, by the way? There's no question I don't like the guy. Okay, there's no question that the Barack Obama administration, the Barack Obama presidency, there's no question that it and the Democratic Party has been a complete disaster. It's been a disaster since day one. I've been saying it since day one. Finally, people are realizing it. Okay, it's been bad. But do we have to go to the Barack Obama's a Muslim card and who is he a Christian? Is he a Muslim? Because who the hell cares? There's so many more things to criticize President Obama about that his religion is completely irrelevant. Anybody's religion is completely irrelevant. I don't care if the guy's Muslim, atheist, Christian, Buddhist. I don't care if the guy prays to a friggin' rock uh, that he's painted a, a portrait of Elvis on. Okay, I don't really care. All I care about is what's happening to the country. I don't care what a guy believes in. God, keep it to yourself. Who cares? Why is that even an issue? Rush Limit. The our imam, Mr. Obama, our imam child. And then he's tapping on himself, all proud of himself. Listen. Listen to that. Our imam child. They have already taken their trillion-dollar ball home, and they're sitting on it, you jackass. And I'm sorry to have to say this, but... Yeah. All right. Thank you, Rush. That guy's on 500 stations. That guy's on 500 stations. I'm on zero. How does that work? That guy's got $400 million in the bank. I got, like, 40 bucks. How does that happen? That's raising the level of the discourse. All right, uh, here's a great piece from the Michael Graff Show Stupid News File. This is maybe one of the coolest stories of the day. I gave you one of the most effed up stories of the day earlier. This is a cool story. Home invasions are still a big problem. Obviously, you never know when somebody that knocks on your door has ill intent or somebody's just going to kick the door open, come in there, and potentially take you at knife point or gun point. Usually it's guns. People aren't usually dumb enough to break into a house without one, but it does happen. So this is a great story about 
three guys that tried a home invasion, three armed men that tried a home invasion against one man that was unarmed, and guess who won? Well, the story comes from where else but Oklahoma, where a Tulsa homeowner fought back uh, during an armed home invasion Saturday morning, leaving one robber with several fingers blown off. Police said two men, one white, one black, kicked in the door of a home at the 400 block of 106th East Avenue around 7 a.m. The homeowner, Larry Ryan, said the bandits yelled, give me the money, as they pointed their guns directly at his head. Ryan, 59, said that he immediately grabbed for one of the weapons and uh, a struggle then ensued. Wearing only underwear, Ryan battled the robber to the front porch where he fell to the ground. While being pistol whipped by the second gunman, Ryan was able to pin the first assailant to the ground, he said. The gun that he was struggling for fired, shooting off two of the robber's fingers. Ryan said that he then took the gun, placed it behind the man's head, and pulled the trigger. Quote, it didn't discharge, Ryan said. I was going to kill him. A third man who was driving the uh, supposed getaway car uh, then uh, ran toward the struggle with his gun drawn, but retreated when Ryan brandished the weapon he had taken. Ryan said that he then fired five shots and believes that he may have hit the man, too. Police said that they found uh, bullet holes in two houses across the street, most likely from the shots fired by Ryan. Ryan was holding down the wounded man when officers arrived. Both were taken to area hospitals for treatment. Uh, Bobby Lewis, 23, was later arrested on uh, complaints of assault with a deadly weapon, knowingly concealing stolen property, robbery with a firearm, and first-degree burglary, uh, said Captain Rick Helberg. Tulsa Police Captain Scott Anderson said that the other robbers fled in a 1980s model white car, probably a Pontiac Grand Am. The homeowner did not know the assailants, Anderson said. Quote, some people have that fighting spirit in them, some don't. It's not the safe thing to do to tell someone to fight back like that, but I can't blame people for doing it. It's completely their right. Ryan was taken to St. John Medical Center, uh, where he received staples in the back of his head and stitches in his forearm and ear. The two gunmen were still at large Saturday evening, and of course anyone with information is asked to call Crime Stoppers 596 COPS. A guy, an unarmed guy, fought against three dudes with guns and one. And two of them ran off, and one guy is now missing some digits. That is an awesome story. That is a great story. Now, me, I I am a gun owner. I uh, I have a uh, Remington 870 shotgun for just such an occasion. We've had some robberies uh, in my neighborhood where I live, so uh, I like to I like to keep things uh, kind of secure for myself. But some people aren't like that. Some people, you know, they they're not armed and. Some people just have guts. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't do it if a guy, if I was unarmed and a guy just kicked open my door and I was standing there completely unprepared and they were pointing a gun at me saying, give me the money, I'd be like, all right, here you go, man. Anything else I can get for you? Hey, man, you want me to heat you up something? Got some leftovers in the fridge. Do you like a beer? Want to watch the game? Just hang out for a while? What can I get you? You need, you need the phone? Want to make a call? 
What can I do to make your stay here more comfortable, sir? See, I'd do that. I mean, if I had my gun, it'd be a completely different story, but I'm not going to be the kind of guy, what, I'm going to be like a ninja? I'm going to go and try and fight guys with guns? This guy, he didn't have anything on. He just had his underwear. It's very manly. I know I couldn't do that. But the difference is I'm admitting it. I'm telling you I couldn't do it. Pretty sure that guy probably walks around in his underwear all day, just waiting to be assaulted. Okay, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Now, it should be noted that's also our PayPal address for this program, so please send money. Michael Grav Show, AOL Instant Messenger. You can send us messages, emails, 24-7-365. I respond to all of them eventually, including the death threats, so keep them coming in. Um, let's see. MichaelGroff.com for everything else Michael Groff related, including you can log into our chat channel over there at MichaelGroff.com. It is linked up, but if you don't want to use the website for that, it's IRC. Just get yourself an IRC client, log on to the EFNet network, and then go to channel net radio. That's how that works. I know we've made it... We've make it so very, very complicated. It's as complicated as possible. When we do have a new website, we'll try and make it a little bit easier. I'll try and streamline everything. I'll try to have it a full service website. You can get, uh, you'll get news and information about me, uh, show stuff, highlights, go to the chat channel, pictures. Oh, and I want to mention this too. Uh, I got a, uh, I got a couple of messages. Lena says that uh, she likes Hillary on the show. She's a big Hillary fan and says that she agrees with her about Eminem. She says that Eminem is cool. At least he used to be when he was more humorous. Now his stuff is kind of, it's not as good anymore, but so she's a big fan of Hillary. And then, um, Josh writes in and says that, uh, Hillary sounds really hot, and he'd uh, like pictures. She is really hot, and uh, I'm a lucky guy, but if you want pictures, they're on my Facebook page, except for the super secret file of naked pics, but that's just for me. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time. Have a great night, everybody.